Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to get involved. And we want to hear from you. We have just one guest lined up for you today. Adrian Autry joins us as he does every Monday. And we have uh, back-to-back coaches shows, as Max mentioned during his update. Seth will be with Double Coach header. Autry from 7 8 o'clock over at Stratomia. I'll be with Coach McNamara from 8 to 9 o'clock over at Tully. So a lot of SU basketball talk for you tonight. A lot of SU basketball talk for you this afternoon, as we'll uh, get Adrian Autry's thoughts on... Uh, it was a win. I was, I was going to say that ugly win. It was yes, a win. it was ugly, but it was a win. And Syracuse does get back to 500. I told you on Friday, I said, Moyer being out, it's a home game for Pitt. They, they're playing better. They had beat NC State. I said, I think this thing's going to be a little bit of a struggle. I thought it was going to be a single-digit game. It turned out to be a single-digit game. Uh, but SU escapes with a 60-55 to win. And as I said on social media over the weekend, it's a good thing that the opponent was Pittsburgh. If they play anyone else in the ACC with that performance, more than likely it's a loss. But it was Pitt. They got Pitt on the right day. Nobody could make a shot. Is there a bad day to play Pittsburgh? You said they got you well, said they, they got Pitt on the right Pitt day. Pitt made there shots against NC day? State. If Pitt had played like that yeah. against Syracuse on Saturday, Syracuse probably loses that game. I mean what they put up what, seventy eight points against NC State? I mean, Syracuse struggled to get to 60, so it was an opportunity, obviously, for the Orange to get back to 500. They took advantage of that opportunity, but uh, it was not easy. End of the day, though, they're tied for eighth place right now in the conference standings. Yeah, and they're back to 500, which uh, we said last week they needed to do, right? They, They needed to win these games. They needed to get back to 500, and now they've got a chance to go to five and four with... Um, I, and I think you agree with this, with the best team in the country coming to town this weekend, right? So so they've got an opportunity here, and when we talk about, hey, this team still has plenty of chances, this is exactly what we're talking about. They're 4-4, four and four, they go on the road to play Georgia Tech, who, is Georgia Tech a very good team? No. You know, they're a beatable team, even on their on their home court. Um, and then, then the tough stretch starts. Then Virginia comes in, and you're going to play Miami, and you're going to play... Duke and UNC and Louisville and Clemson and, and these top teams in the country. So there's still a very real and legitimate chance for this team to make their move and go from bubble slash out to solidly in. And we can get more into this as the show moves along. I have not seen the new rankings. I don't believe that they're out yet. Virginia should be the number one team in the country. Agree. They have... Better wins than Villanova. They beat Duke in North Carolina on the road. And Villanova's two best wins over ranked opponents. One came at a neutral site over Gonzaga. The other one was at home over Xavier. They have a better loss, I think, than than Villanova does in that they lost on the road at West Virginia. And, I mean, they are... They're the best team in the country. I mean... Absolutely. Duke is averaging 90-plus points per game. They held them to 22 in the first half on Duke's home floor. So, again, we can talk about that later, um, and, and when the new rankings are released, we'll, we'll let you know. Um, 
you know, voters get in the habit of, well, number one team won. We'll just vote them number exactly. one again. You pointed that out. We were talking about this before the show started, and you're right. That's generally how it goes. That's why, that's why Virginia I don't like deserves polls. to be number one. Virginia is the best team in the country right now. And as you said, number one team in the country is coming to town this weekend. And Syracuse has an opportunity to go into that game with a better than 500 conference record on a roll, on a four-game winning streak. And they're playing a team on Wednesday night that just lost to Clemson last night by a bucket. Georgia Tech is struggling. Georgia Tech's going in the opposite direction. Syracuse is better than this team. Now, it's a road game, and we know Georgia Tech has some talent. You know, Ben Lammers, Josh Okogie, and all the rest. It's a team they lost to last year down there on a very questionable call against Tyler Roberson. Syracuse is better than this team. Yes. And they have a chance to really go into that Virginia game with some momentum feeling good about themselves. Yeah, Syracuse, this Syracuse team is better than this Georgia Tech team. Uh, I I don't think there's any question about that. They're better at home. They're better on a neutral court. And quite honestly, I think they should be better on the road, right? I think they should be better than this Georgia Tech team, even on Georgia Tech's home floor down in Atlanta. Like, I, I don't think this is much of a question. But they do have two really good players, and they do have an inside presence, which we've seen Syracuse struggle with. So if they play the same game that they played Saturday, which was awful and would not have beaten any other ACC team on any other day and might not have beaten Pitt, as you mentioned, just three days earlier, they're not going to win that game. They've got to do a lot different from what they did on Saturday. I mean, who would have imagined coming into a year that into this year that there would be a game that you would say to yourself, Man, Syracuse is lucky to have Barama Sidibe and Merrick Dolajai. Well, and it's funny you should say that because as we're talking about, you know, Syracuse doesn't beat any other team in the ACC Conference with that performance. Even with that performance, for everybody aside from Barama, they lose that game if not for Barama Sidibe, right? Yes. I mean, they lose that game if not for Barama Sidibe off the bench. Just like they drew it up. We talk about that there's, you know, no bench scoring and no bench minutes. Syracuse outscored Pitt in bench points 22 to 8. That was the difference in the game. Bench points. Who would have thought? 40 minutes off the bench. Yeah, that's going to screw up their average, right? They got 40 minutes off the bench. They were dead last. Dead last. In the country, in bench minutes, and Barama Sidibe comes off the bench, plays almost 30 minutes. Well, he played 31 minutes. I thought he played 29. Played 31 minutes. I got the stats right here in front of me. 18 points, 16 rebounds, three blocks, career highs across the board for Barama Sidibe. And, you know, Pascal Chuku in a game where he did not play well, obviously 0 for 4 from the field, it was. Sidibe to the rescue, and it looks like he's feeling healthier. He does a lot of good things on both ends of the court, and if if you've got that two-headed monster in the middle, again, that makes this team that much more dangerous moving forward. Hopefully this isn't just a, a flash in the pan, a, a one-time thing, and I don't think it is. I think we saw early on during the preseason and early on the season, Barama Sidibe... He, he can play, and he's just yeah. he's been banged up, and, and now it looks like he's getting healthier. Yeah, I think we've seen that Sidibe can be a pretty good offensive force. Um, something I'm noticing here, and I wanted to ask you this, uh, looking at the stat sheet again. Based on the stat sheet, Sidibe and Chukwu must have played together. Because Chukwu played 17 minutes on this one that I've got, and Sidibe at 31. Adds up to 48. Right. So they must have overlapped. Like, Do you remember seeing this? And this is the first time we've seen this this year. Like, I don't remember watching that on Saturday. But e- even so, what, regardless, that's a really interesting possibility with Matthew Moyer out, isn't it? If is going to give you something, if is going to continue to play well defensively, that's a really interesting and intriguing combination to me with Moyer out. And I think that it would be a really good combination in this game coming up 
And then if Moyer were to come back, I think it's a really good combination against Duke when you've got Wendell Carter and Marvin Bagley down there on the block. Like, I think this is something that if if it was used, and, and again, I don't remember it being used, but if it was, I think that this is something that you look at and you say, okay, this is out of necessity now, well, but could this come back later in the year and be helpful to them? That's what I was going to say. I mean, it, it clearly is out of necessity because you can't have Merrick playing 40 minutes. He's going to need a breather. And so what, what happens? You play the three-guard lineup a little bit here and there, and we saw that, and Howard Washington got 11 minutes, and then you're going to play a little bit of this this bigger lineup. Um, again, just out of necessity, those guys, you know, they, they can't all play 40 minutes. And even O'Shea Brissett, who played 37, he struggled from the field four for 16. And you do wonder, again, I know this is, if Coach Beheim and the coaching staff, they're listening, they're going to roll their eyes when I say, you know, you wonder if the minutes are catching up to him. You wonder if the minutes are catching up hold to on. him. Hold on. Hold on. I got to pass this along because you brought this up. Uh, Jim Beheim right now is on the ACC teleconference, and and he said, and uh, this comes from Chris Carlson. This is a quote from Beheim: People that uh, on if the zone helps with lack of depth, and if it's easier to play more minutes because you play a zone. Quote, people who think that are full of bleep. Yes, I, and I don't buy Set that it. at all. Because if you're going to play that effectively, obviously, you're not resting on defense. I mean, they play a very active zone, so I'm, I'm with them on that. I don't buy that at all. But go ahead. He, I'm sure he's rolling his eyes that I said that. Go ahead. Jim Beheim on ACC teleconference asked if it's easier to play guys more big minutes because of the zone. People who think that are full of bleep. Okay, fine. And that's not my point. That's not my point at all. My point is... You wonder if, and with freshmen, you see it all the time, right? Freshmen yes, hit that wall. Hit I'm, wall. Not, I'm not saying Syracuse freshmen. I'm saying all freshmen. At some point, they they hit a wall, as they say. Or, they, you know, there's peaks and valleys. And O'Shea Brissett, it feels like, is in one of those valleys. Now, I don't know if it's because the minutes are catching up to him um, or if it's just he's a freshman and he's going through growing pain. And he's still been very good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's been obviously one of their steady players, third best player, you know, on the team behind, you know, Battle and Howard. But you wonder if all the minutes are, are catching up to him. And so you you need options. And so one of the options is go three-guard lineup for a little bit, give a guy a rest. The other option is go big, give a guy a rest. They they literally have seven guys right now. At the, like, at there, the most. There are only really at three the most. Line, There are really only three lineup right. possibilities. You go the starting five, right. or you go three guards, or you go, go big. Go big. Right. That's That's about it. That, you that can, is it. You can you can change the three guard lineup because you can have Pascal or Barama in the middle, so Fine. that gives you two. Okay, but that but that's it. I, I mean, there aren't very many options, and and I think it's interesting to watch as they piece this together. You need Frank to play every minute. You need Tyus Battle to play every minute, and basically you need O'Shea Brissett to play every minute because you can't trust Merrick, you can't trust Pascal, and you can't trust Barama to play every minute. And I know that we've seen Pascal do that, but he's a big man who's going up for blocks. And it's probably going to foul people. So that's not realistic to think he'll play every minute of every game. I'm intrigued by the O'Shea Brissett thing that you said with the peaks and valleys. Uh, because he hasn't been what he was at the beginning of the year. I I got a tweet uh, on Saturday night. Because I, I tweeted something like, um, you know, O'Shea was terrible. And, and Frank Howard didn't play a good game. And... You know, and Syracuse still came out of this with a win, right? And I, I got a reply back that was something to the effect of, um, oh, Shea wasn't terrible, that's just who he is, right? He's a 5-for-15 shooter. 
I don't think that is who he is, right? Like, I I, I don't think he's just like a 30% shooter from the field who's going to take a lot of shots and not make all of them. Because we've seen him be a lot better than that, right? We've seen him go 5 for 9 or, or something to that effect. 4 for and, 9 against BC, 4 for 8 against Pitt the first time around. I mean, he's had much better games than that. Right, and and when he's at his best, we've seen him go 4 for 9 from the field and... 8 of 10 from the free throw line, and, and he does something like that. And I, I think that's a lot more who he was. I think this was like a really weird off game for him where he just wasn't making any shots, and he missed 11 in a row, and it got him into some kind of funk, and he thought he could shoot himself out of it because of how bad everybody else had been playing. He said, I've got an open look. I'm going to take it. And, and I can't blame him for it in that game, right? Because that was such a such a mess and such a terrible offensive game all around that nobody's shots were going in, so it might as well have been your shots not going in. This dates back to the Wake Forest game. He has missed, So they've played seven games since Wake Forest. Five of the seven, he's missed ten shots or more in each of those games. Uh, it really dates back to the Notre Dame game as well, which was the game after Wake Forest. And if you remember, Notre Dame's strategy was let him shoot. Don't let him drive. Let him shoot. Right. And I think opposing teams saw that, and they're they're trying to make him shoot from the outside more. And it's it's smart because when he puts his head down, he gets to the basket. He's very good. He does have trouble at times finishing, but he gets to the free throw line a lot, and he makes his free throws. And so I think there, he is struggling to some degree with his outside shot or settling for jumpers and not getting to the basket. So, again, the stats bear it out that five of the last seven games he's missed at least ten shots. And I don't know if it's – you know, now he's more towards the top of the depth chart or, or, or in terms of the scouting report. Teams are looking at him saying, you know, we got to stop this. He's legit. Or if it's you're playing better competition and early in the season, you know, Buffalo and he fattened, Eastern he, Michigan he and Toledo. He the stats on the bad teams. What, Not, I'm, but, what I'm saying yeah. is, is I don't know if Oakland and Texas Southern could handle O'Shea Bursette. Can Virginia and... You know Notre Dame, and I think we found our answers. Well, yes, so that, that that's being. my point is that I think that you know you're playing better competition now, so it gets a little more difficult. You obviously you drew a lot of attention early in the season in terms of wow this kid is legit. Now you're drawing more attention in the scouting report. You're a freshman. You're going to go through peaks and, peaks and valleys. He's struggling a little bit with his confidence in terms of his outside shot. I think all these things are adding up to what we're seeing out of O'Shea Brissett right now. And again, I think he's a fantastic player, and I think he's going to bounce back from it. But right now, he's he's in a little bit of a slump, and that's to be expected with a true freshman. It's to be expected, really, of any player, but freshman in particular. I mean, it happened to Tyus Battle this time last year, too, yeah. didn't it? And he was remember? sick, and remember we was, pointed to the fact that you know he had the flu. I and, think I think it was this week. It was the bad game against NC State, the bad game against Clemson that had the buzzer beater in it, and you were like, oh, wow. Tyus Battle's playing really poorly right now. No, he wasn't feeling and then, well. And then you know what he did after that? He, he was scored awesome. double digits the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think O'Shea Brissett's going to bounce back, and he is such a key piece to this puzzle. But for them to go on the road and and win a game, and forget for a moment that it was Pitt, but Battle certainly did not have his best game. Howard certainly did not have his best game. Brissett certainly did not have his best game. And they're able to figure it out, like grind it out. Nobody was making shots. Barama Sidibe, thank God for this team, comes to the rescue on Saturday, and they escape with a win. They get their first road win in conference. They get back to 500. That would have been a disastrous loss. By the way, we keep saying SU doesn't have a bad loss on its resume. That Technically, been. it's true. And yes, that would have been their worst loss. Wake Forest is looking more and more like it may turn into yes. a bad loss. Part of what is keeping Wake Forest RPI somewhat 
reasonable right now. I think they're about 115. They have one good win. One good win. It's against Syracuse. So right. that's not good. If <laughs> Syracuse has to play better to make that loss look better. <laughs> right. So it would help if Wake Forest wants that is still Wake's only win in conference. They're one what and if, eight. What if Syracuse just gets good enough that it buoys their RPI? So so Syracuse's Syracuse's RPI is at like twenty five and that Wake Forest RPI just keeps rising with it. Isn't that like ironic to yes. some degree that that win is I mean that's that's Wake's only good win, and you know Syracuse, based on where its RPI is right now, is is helping Wake's RPI. Like if if SU's RPI drops and Wake's RPI drops, then that becomes a bad loss. We um, should we should tell we should uh, tell tell the coaches this later tonight. You know, you guys got to keep winning. You better so that, keep winning games. So that so loss win. doesn't yeah. look as bad. Keep Wake's RPI. <laughs> Listen, there's only so much SU can do. Wake's got to win some games, so. Yes, right now, technically, when you look at the metrics, Syracuse has no bad losses. Wake is looking worse and worse uh, by the day. So when they come to town, SU needs to to hammer them and, and kind of make up for that loss and, and that one they gave away down in Winston-Salem. Listen, we're just getting started. Phone lines are open the entire way. We've got one guest lined up for you. Coach Autry at some point will join us, but we want to hear from you. 315-437-7644. Just getting started on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to get involved. Syracuse, as I mentioned, tied for eighth place right now in the conference. There is a logjam with uh, teams with four and five losses. Florida State, NC State, North Carolina, Miami, Syracuse, Virginia Tech all have four losses. If Syracuse beats Georgia Tech on Wednesday, they will be tied with the likes of North Carolina and Florida State in the standings, and NC State for that matter. And that result, by the way, uh, not great over the weekend, the fact that NC State beat North Carolina. I mean... NC State is, a, barring some sort of major collapse, NC State's going to the NCAA tournament. You look at their quality wins. They're, it's incredible. They beat, they beat Arizona they in beat the non-conference. Arizona, Duke. They beat North Carolina. They beat Clemson, too, I think. Right? Yes. They beat Clemson by one. They beat Duke. Beat them handily. Beat North Carolina at North Carolina. And they beat Arizona. That's Who's, not bad. And they were number two at the time. Yeah. And Arizona's bounced back. So they have two, That's the important two wins. Part. Right. And they have two wins over the number two team in the country in, in Duke and Arizona when they played them. And they just beat North Carolina at North Carolina. And that wasn't a fluke. Like, they... They beat North Carolina at North Carolina. So I don't think that's great news for Syracuse, that one of these teams that you thought was going to be another bubble team slash you thought would finish below Syracuse in the standings, they have four enormous wins on their resume. You know, Steve, we were talking about the AP poll, and and I just pulled it up. Um, But for for NC State, Duke is still number four, and Arizona is still number nine, and UNC's fell all the way to 19, uh, but Clemson's 20. So they've got four wins. Against the current top twenty-five, uh, but to the top po- top spot in the poll, Virginia took sixteen more first-place votes away from it's Villanova. It's not enough. It's not. A- and I'm no, glad to see that not, that people but- are realizing it. That that is, I don't want to say a travesty because Villanova is really good. Virginia should be the number one team in the country right yes. now. 
And and I'm not saying that because we cover the ACC day in and day out. I'm saying that because Virginia is the best team in the country right now. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, they're the best team in the country, but uh, last week the gap was 63-1. to 1. Right. This week it's 47-17. to 17. And Virginia didn't even get a first place vote in the coaches poll and that that poll not out yet so we'll we'll have to see yeah, if the, the coaches, coaches don't come watch the game so no. like i i don't care about that poll well you what, know, like we I, know one coach watches the well, game ask yes, jim Bayham yes, about one, any game and he he's seen it we know he watches but the majority of coaches and those who vote in the poll don't watch and the i, I don't understand how that's like still a thing you know it's like one of those things that you're like how is this still a thing like how is the coaches poll still a thing we don't know we we know that coaches just don't have time or care enough to go watch these other teams. Again, Villanova's best wins this year, and they're obviously they're very good. They're twenty and one, and their best win is probably Xavier at home, and they crushed them. They beat them by twenty four. And their next best win is Gonzaga, and that was a neutral site game. You look at well, their loss was at Butler, and that's a tough place to play. And Butler's pretty good. They lost that game by eight. But Virginia has beaten Duke and North Carolina. And their one loss was at West Virginia. R- Virginia has a better resume, and frankly, I think Virginia's be- I think Virginia's the best team in the country. And yeah. apparently, seventeen totally other media members around the country agree totally with, agree agree with the two of us. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four to the phone lines we go. Scooter in Jamesville up first on Orange Nation today. Hey, Scooter. Hey guys, how you doing? I I think that just shows that that that, that, that this tournament can be so wide open because you might be right, Steve, that Virginia Bend might be the best team in the country. But if you look around, I don't think there's that that much discrepancy. Uh, Virginia, you know, physically does not scare me. If I'm a you know if I'm a neutral site or if I'm a home team site, you know the style of play is going to keep both teams in, in the game. They're not going to run away from somebody unless they get really hot and shoot because of that style of play. And you know, usually you let a Underdog hang around, hang on, hang around, just like they did with Syracuse. Sometimes you get nipped. Yes, yeah, uh, Seth here has been uh, he's been calling the shot for yeah. two weeks now, saying SU's beating Virginia on, on Saturday. So yeah, I'm with you, especially the way they play. They're going to be a lot yeah. of close games. I, I could not be more impressed though by Virginia. I mean, I watched that Duke game start to finish over the weekend. I mean, Duke averages, as you know, Scooter, more than 90 points per game. They had 22 at halftime on their home floor. Like, Virginia is so good defensively, and they've got enough offense they can beat you. I mean, they... They're the best team in the country, but I, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, there's no dominant team. I mean, we're not talking about Anthony Davis and Kentucky right now, um, and I get that. But you know, Virginia, I think you know Villanova. I think those top teams have separated themselves to some degree. I mean, those those teams look like the favorites right now. Now, you know, obviously that can change in the next month or so. Now you mentioned, uh, I think Seth has mentioned it that they're going to the committee's going to use a lot more metric systems than 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 before, and that means the one one problem I got with that is that. You know, something's got to be predetermined that, that you know, be, you know, beating somebody, be, you know, before the season start actually means something. You know, for example, Carolina. If you take away Carolina's name, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure if they're no better in Creighton as far as as far as you know things like that go. If you if you watch Creighton play, they might be the uh, off the radar team when it comes tournament time. They'll fight Caleb Joseph. They got, some, they got some size and they got some talent in that team. But I'm just saying that. You know, for the you know, for Syracuse to be that high in the metric system, somebody had to be pre, you know, predetermined because 
I look at the teams they play. Like, who's who's their best win? Virginia Tech or Maryland? I guess this year. So well, far, technically, Buffalo is from, Buffalo a, from is. a metric Buffalo? standpoint. Scooter, yeah, yeah Buffalo's <laughs> in the top thirty right now RPI. So from a metric standpoint, that's the best win. Well, and here's okay. the thing. Here's the thing. The Ken Palm rankings actually do that. Ken Palm is how did you perform relative to the expectation in our model of how you would perform? Right. So you could win a game and go down because you were expected to win by. 12 and you only won by seven you know right. so so that that is like a, a predictive model and how you perform up to expectations so Syracuse could have been expected to lose a lot more in the non-conference based on the Kempom rankings but they won right or they were supposed to lose by more to uh, uh you know St. Bonaventure or Kansas but they didn't so so I think that that is an interesting model to watch because that really is how did you do versus expectations? Like, I'm sure North Carolina is going to fall a lot more in that than they might in the AP poll. Well, the, the thing is, I mean, I, I, look at, I look at the Dine Conference, and the only team I thought outside of Kansas, obviously, that they might lose, but they're playing at home. If you take Maryland, who just came off a three-game uh, tournament in, 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 in uh, Florida and actually flew directly to Syracuse, that would have been the only loss I would have them losing in the Dine Conference. So, I, I, you know, they're basically basically one game better in in non conference going into conference, and then we'll see what happens now. But I guess I was just wondering just how they predetermine because because if they're you know you you kept mentioning that if Syracuse keeps winning, it keeps it keeps Wake Forest's uh, I guess RPI or BPI high. That's you know based on what Syracuse has done, and that must be predetermined that Syracuse must be doing better than what they thought. I guess right. Yeah, and it's a, it's a convoluted way to, to look at it. I mean, the fact that Syracuse lost to Wake Forest, but if they continue to win games, that loss isn't as bad. Doesn't look as bad. It's, it's, yeah. it's strange, but I mean, that's that's obviously the way they do it. And yes, they're taking into account several metrics. They're blending them together, and they're not just using the RPI this year. I like year. that. I like it too. I think I don't it gives like the you RPI. So. I think it gives you a more. I was going to say more exact. There's, this is not an exact the, science. A more holistic. A truer. A more representation, ho- a more of holistic what you are. look at, yeah. at a team. Yeah, and you know, Scooter brought up North Carolina. So briefly, let's look at North Carolina's resume. He's right, and they don't have like a marquee win. Like they won at Tennessee, and Tennessee was twentieth in the country at the time, and they beat Clemson by eight. And again, Clemson was twentieth in the country at the time. But I, again, I think Clemson's going to go the other direction because of the the injury to Grantham. And you look at. Some of their losses, yeah, they played Michigan State. They got crushed. They lost at Florida State by one. They lost at Virginia by 12. No shame in either of those losses. They don't have a great win. They don't have a great win. Now, they'll have plenty of opportunities for big wins moving forward, but they have some bad losses. I mean, they lost to NC State. NC State. They lost to Wofford. That that is true. Um, NC State's proving to be better maybe than we thought, but they've lost to NC State and Virginia Tech in back-to-back games. So, I mean, they've got to bounce back. And they, they've got opportunities coming up. they got Duke coming up. they got Louisville coming up. That's the up. thing about this they conference, They play Duke though. twice. That's the thing about this conference, though. Like, what you said, you just said that about UNC. We've said it about Syracuse, you know, for, for weeks. There is always an opportunity to make up for, A, bad losses or the lack of a good win, right? Like, there's always that opportunity out there, which I, I think when we shifted to Syracuse and when we've looked at SU— that's why it was important to get through the month of January without a truly terrible loss, right? Like even if even if Wake Forest slips and falls to one twenty, right? It for for the at the end of the year they got to like, fall outside top one thirty five. Okay, but but so yes. that's my point. Like right. if they fall and they just settle at one twenty, 
that's a bad loss, but it was also on the road, and, and it was early, and, and whatever. And you can get past that, and it's not terrible. It's a quadrant two loss. Um, so that's not awful. But you have the opportunity to then make it up because you get Duke, and you get UNC, and you get Virginia and twice, you get and you get Wake Forest again, so and you get Wake Forest again. If and you can crush them, I mean, I think maybe that wipes it away to some degree. Right. So I think that the the beauty of this conference that we've seen from Syracuse, and, and when Syracuse was in the Big East, the same thing kind of you know stood. There's always an opportunity coming up to go and take advantage of, right? Now, Syracuse is in a much better position than they were at this time last year because they don't have three bad losses. So they don't need three great wins. They probably need, like, one or two, right? Like, they don't need three top ten wins this year. No. But do they need, signature like, one? Win would, well, that would be nice. It would be nice to point to the resume and have something we got other... that. Well, it would be... It would be nice to have something other than Buffalo being at the top of the list, right? Yes. And again, I'm not like I'm not joking. Like I'm being serious. It would be nice to say we beat Miami or Clemson or and I'm not even sure Clemson is going to turn out to be a really great win. I I do think at the end of the day we talk about you know the, what's the worst loss SU has had so far. And I know like Wake Forest it will Buffalo is up to 28 by the way in the RPI. From from an RPI standpoint, Wake Forest might look like the worst loss they've had. I really think at the end of the day, Notre the Dame. one that you're going to kick yourself. Yes, you took the words out of my mouth. That's the one yep. that you just you kick yourself because it was it was there. I mean, it, you were in complete control of that game, complete control of that game. And we've talked about it, right? We talked about it in December. We talked about it last week. If you can get to nine ACC wins, given the work you did in the right in the non conference. That was probably enough. And so that was never going to be in the good win category, right? That Notre Dame game, given that Bonsi Colson was out, given that Matt Farrell was out, that probably wouldn't have fallen in your good win category. That was probably going to turn out to be a category two win, especially since that was at home. But it's just one more. Yeah. Right? Like it's it's just one more. And right now you're five and three going down to Georgia Tech with the opportunity to get to six and three you would before be, this hellish this. February. Think about this, Seth. And and obviously the the schedule gets more difficult. But if Syracuse was five and three right now, they would be all alone in fifth place in the conference. And if they beat Georgia Tech, they would be tied with Duke and Clemson for third. They'd be in they'd be in play for a double buy. I mean, think about that. And, and obviously all the you know the really tough games are, are still yet to come. I mean Virginia at Virginia was probably the toughest game on the schedule. But you've got Virginia again. You've got Duke. You got North Carolina. So on and so forth. Think about that. If yeah. you had just beaten Notre Dame. A, a double bye would be nice for Syracuse at the ACC tournament because we know that you know they can't win to get to that round. Funny. You've got jokes. You've got jokes. Let's, I'm just stating facts. Let's take a quick timeout. We've got to get back on time. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth, back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We're powered by Drivers Village. Adrian Autry set to come at some point before 2 o'clock. Phone lines will remain open at 315-437-7644. We want to hear from you on Q's Basketball. And Seth, I know that, that you've brought this up. Well, you brought it up today. You've brought it up several times, though, in the last few weeks. And that's the importance of getting wins away from the Dome. And we saw last year, that was one of the... One of the reasons, and, and maybe one of the reasons near or at the top of the list why Syracuse did not make the NCAA tournament, they literally had two wins away from the Dome against Clemson and NC State. And had they made the tournament last year, they would have been the first team, to my understanding, 
that would have earned an at-large bid with that few wins away from their home court. I believe the the previous record was three. Yes. Had they made it with two, that would have been the fewest wins away from the Dome in NCAA tournament history for an at-large team, not a team who ran the table as one of the smaller conferences team and and won won their conference tournament. They now have three. They do. Against really bad teams. Yes. But they have three away from the Dome. UConn in neutral site at Georgetown at Pittsburgh. Yeah, we talked about this a lot last year, right, in that we all looked at the really bad losses and said, well, that's why they're not in. And it might have been why they weren't in, right? Like, the bad losses might have been the reason, ultimately, to keep them out. But if you want to play the scale game and bad losses to good wins, like, you kind of sort of evened it out, right? By year's end, you kind of, you know, you almost had it even. Three great wins, three really bad losses. Exactly. Uh, so I think that that thing of, of w- not being able to win away from your home building really hurt Syracuse. And what I think really hurt them was not only did they only have two, they had two against two really bad teams. And Clemson was awful last year, and NC State was so bad that they fired their coach before the season ended. And it it, it really showed they could not beat a team away from their own and building. And they won them both in dramatic fashion, by right. the way. Not that that really was taken into account. but No, but they were both they close needed, games, right, too. They and, needed... Uh, a buzzer beater in each one, and forty three points in overtime in one of them. Right. And John so, Gillen had a hit a ridiculous shot against NC State, right. and Battle hits the three from the corner against Clemson. Right. So I, I'm I'm curious this year. You've got three already, but it's UConn, Georgetown, and Pitt. Like those are three bad teams. So at what point do we get to? At what point? Like how? What's the number? that you stop looking at who they beat. Because I think that's what happened to them last year. It wasn't just, you have two road wins. It was, you have two road wins against bad teams. So, at what point does it not matter who you beat, and it's like, okay, fine, that's not an issue. Well, we were talking about this briefly during the break, and you brought up the number five, and I kind of shrugged my shoulders and said, yeah, that feels like a good number. Five feels like a good number. It better be five, Seth, because... You know, at Georgia Tech and at BC, if right. you, that would get you to five. But like, is the, that enough? Well, the other road games are at Duke, at Miami, and at Louisville. So, and I, I suppose just pick off the Cardinals. I no suppose biggie. you could get one in the ACC tournament, and that would be away from the dome. And you know, you could add that to your resume. Maybe if it's like an eight-nine game or something along those lines. We know how those eight-nine games go, though, uh, especially in ACC tournament play. Yep. Um, and you don't want it to come to that. So you say, what's the right number? Yeah, I think five feels like right now. If you get one of those other ones, maybe you don't even need to get to five. If you get get Duke Duke or Miami. If you get Duke, it doesn't matter. Like, if if you get Duke, it does not matter. Duke counts as a few. Yes. I was told told this once by by Ken Pomeroy for uh, uh, something I was working on uh, back at SU. A win at Duke, at Cameron, is a golden ticket for a uh, a bubble team. Like that just pushes you to the top of the And that's pile. why NC State's in. I mean, NC yeah. State beat Duke and NC well, it wasn't at Duke. That was a home game, but then they beat North Carolina. So NC State is good. They've got Arizona. They're golden. Yeah. I mean, unless they completely fall apart, NC State's going to the tournament. And that's not great news for Syracuse. 315-437-7644 to the phone lines. We go Dom and Syracuse up next on Orange Nation. Hey Dom. Hey guys, in my opinion, it's twenty one in the regular season and two in the ACC tournament or twenty two in the regular season with one in the tournament. Uh, oh, that has you in safely. Just, what's that? I think that has you in safely. 23 total? I, but that's not counting real, true, solid, knock them out of the park wins. right? Okay. That, and that gets you in comfortably. But that, that takes me to my next point is if we're going to be on the bubble, last four in, some buddies of mine and I were talking over a cup of coffee this morning 
Um, have you guys been keeping an eye on Coach Hopkins at all? Yeah, They're in the same in the position. Yeah. 15-6 and six with a quality win over Kansas beating the teams they're supposed to, losing to the teams for the most part that they're supposed to lose to. There's almost like a – now, it's way too early to compare resumes and say ours is better than theirs or theirs is better than ours. But it almost feels like these guys if, – if the if the um, NCAA tournament had any showmanship to them – They'd put them in Dayton together. I, exactly. <laughs> the playing game at Dayton, SU against against Washington, uh, the Washington Huskies in Dayton as a playing game. You can see it. Ha- I'm calling my shot right now, fellas. That's what's going to happen. How That'd awesome, awesome would that be? I would love that. All right, guys, be good. Thanks, Dom. That would be fantastic. I like that phone call. That that would be fantastic. Washington, by the way, five and three in the Pac-12 right now. And if you look at what they did last year with the number one pick in the draft. They won seven games. There's there's a reason they made a coaching change. And then he loses, when he goes there, Michael Porter, who could be, and he got hurt, he's not going to be the number one pick now, but at the time he was being talked about as potentially the number one pick in the upcoming draft. And Hop loses them both. Loses Markel Fultz to the NBA. Michael Porter transfers to Missouri and then gets hurt. He's out for the year. And all he does is, you know, he's, what, 15-6 and six and 5-3 and three in the conference and got that win over Kansas and I mean he is he's got that team on the verge of going back to the NCAA tournament now as Dom said and he's right there's a lot of basketball left to be played a lot yeah, but can if happen they go, but if they go to the NIT that's like that's still a step forward yeah that's still a step in the right direction so good for hop um but yeah if they're if they're both bubble teams wouldn't that be something That'd if you saw them day, or if it came down to you know Joe Lenardi's you know last four in and it's like the committee's deciding between Washington and Syracuse like wouldn't that be something phenomenal you but, know we're never we're never going to get the Washington Syracuse home at home so we might as well get it in the tournament you know that's never happening right never i don't think so why do you say never i just, SU wants no part of going to Washington? Yeah. They want to go to Seattle? Like, when's the when's the last time they've done a road trip like that that wasn't Maui or the Bahamas? I, and I've got to imagine that they don't want to coach against each other. Right. Being as close as they are and, you know, being there all those years. And, I mean, yeah, they'll obviously do it if they have to, if it's an NCAA tournament. I can't imagine. That would, I think that would be awfully difficult for those two guys to have to coach against each other. Let's go back to the phone lines. Pat in Syracuse up next on Orange Nation. Hey, Pat, how are you? Hey, any SU fan that calls the radio and has a good take is, is good enough to have a cup of coffee with. So I, I'd be curious to know where Dom has coffee in the morning. But that, was a, that was an interesting take. Um, only two uh, sidebars to that, and then I'll bring up my point. I don't think it would be awesome if Syracuse played Washington and Dayton because you don't want to have to play one more game but yeah. to get in, but it but it is what it is. I mean – if left with that or where we are now, I, I, I think I'd sign up for it. But I, I think we're selling this team short, guys. I really believe it. Um, that leads to my point about what Dom was saying. I, I think he's at least one to two wins higher than, than where we need to be. I mean, Washington has a similar resume, not quite as good as ours, and, and we are like nine slots ahead of them. I mean, that's really what these come down to is, you know, rankings and slots. And it's gotten pretty scientific to the point where aren't they combining – a couple of the indexes to, yes. to get yep. that rank, ranking. Yes. Yeah. So for, for, for me, 
it's going to be more apparent than ever, kind of the last four in and the first four out. I mean, there's always one or two teams. I mean, I know you guys said Syracuse would have been the first team to make it um, with only two road or neutral wins, but they also were the first bubble team that had three top ten wins that didn't make it. So sure. yeah, they had a, a good very point. complex resume. It and was. I think that had some- Go ahead, Steve. What were you saying? No, I, I was agreeing with you. Yes, it was It was a very complex resume. It's a good way to put it because, yeah, they had the three top ten wins um, and they, the only the, the two you know, wins away from the Dome. And then you take and- into account Obviously, the just the brutal losses that they had, you know, was Saint losing by thirty plus to St. John's. Yeah, it was, was a very complicated resume. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's college basketball, and this leads to my last point: is very complicated. I mean, you guys were saying last year Clemson was 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 terrible. I think Clemson lost seven games by three points or less, and five of those were to ranked teams. So, I don't think I agree that Clemson was was a terrible team. St. John's was a terrible team, and so was Connecticut. And Connecticut's a terrible team this year, but I'm not so sure. You know, where you draw the line. I mean, NC State has three terrible losses this year to, like, I think they're outside the top 150. They have some bad losses and some good wins. So I don't think NC State, if you're an NC State fan, you think you're in. You still got to take care of business. So I'm not going to concentrate too much on the resume so much yet. I mean, it is interesting sports radio. But I want to talk about with what we have coming to the table, I just think what we need to keep improving on is, um, depending on how long Moyer is going to be out, I think if Howard Washington is in the game, it makes Frank and Tyus better players. And I'll sacrifice the zone on that end because the zone is still the zone. I mean, we've seen some garbage zones give us trouble. So why why can't we have a little bit less than perfect zone? As long as you got a shot blocker, you still got Frank up top. I don't think our zone is that bad with Howard Washington battle behind because you know what else it does, guys? And I'll leave you with this. If you have all three of those guys in the in the game, it gives you something that you don't have on offense, and that is transition possibilities. Right now, when we get the rebound, it's like they're just searching for Frank, where now they could throw it to either a guy and battles out running and Brissett's out running. So I, I like that lineup. I don't think we'll see it as enough. But what do we know? Because according to Jim Beheim, we're just bozos on sports radio. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Pat. A couple things there. I thought Howard Washington did some really good things over the weekend. Played 11 minutes. Did not take a shot from the field. Got to the free throw line. Four points. Two assists. One turnover. I thought he did some good things. I think he's a really smart player. Getting back to us saying that it would be awesome if Washington played Syracuse. Storyline-wise. I, I, well, I say it from this perspective. We don't follow the team like fans. Like We follow the team as reporters and in the media. And from a reporter standpoint and a media standpoint, that would be awesome. That, I mean, it the, would. The very, maybe I should use the word intriguing. I mean, that would be an intriguing matchup to see Syracuse no, play Washington. Fun. And then the last thing in regards to you know how many wins. Again, it's early to be talking about that, but I tend to lean toward what Pat said opposed to what Dom said. I do think 20 if they get 22 and they get I two in, I mean they are in. they're in. I think if they go 9 and 9 in conference, I've said this before, couple that with 11 and 2 in the non-conference, you have 20 wins, you're probably the 8 or 9 seed. You go down to Brooklyn, you win the 8-9 game, get to the quarterfinals and then lose to a really good team in the quarterfinals. I think you're in. Yes. I think I think that's a good yes. enough resume. So, in any event, uh we do have to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number 1 right after this.